Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Equality is a truth of the gospel. Equality. You see, God has made it clear that he is no respecter of persons. Or in other words, he doesn't show partiality. Before him, everyone is equal. So the truth of the gospel is that prejudice and inequality are overruled by the gospel. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 2, verse 14, in a message titled, Equality, a Gospel Truth. Now, here's Pastor Brian. We're going to focus our attention mainly today on verse 14. And now he tells another very interesting story. And this story is fascinating. And I would imagine even today, there are many, many Christians around the world who don't even know this story. They don't know that there was a confrontation between the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. But that's exactly what Paul tells us about here. And many of them perhaps wouldn't know it because not every Christian or not every church or not every denomination really emphasizes, you know, the the teaching of the scripture, which is unfortunate. But, you know, people would just kind of know maybe a more general history coming from the book of Acts. And although the book of Acts is a great history of the early church, it's not complete. It doesn't give you every detail of the things that transpired. So here in Galatians, we get a little more insight into some of the things that occurred. And this this particular event where these two apostles, these two men that were equally called by God, uh, yet they had a dispute. They had a public confrontation with one another. And so in that uh, confrontation, there are things that we are meant to learn. Uh, They were meant to learn certain things at the time, but principles and truths that I think were intended for us throughout the whole age of the church. So we want to look and see what uh, those things are for us today as we walk back through the story. So verses uh, 11 through 16, I'm just going to walk through them again, uh, make a few comments, and then we're going to come back and Uh, camp out on verse 14. So he says, now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Now, let me just add a comment here on Antioch. So Antioch was in Syria and not too far from Jerusalem geographically, but Antioch in, in many senses became kind of the new center of gospel ministry. You see, Although everything began in Jerusalem, what happened is in Jerusalem, they got bogged down with all of this Jewish stuff. They got bogged down with uh, the legalism and everything. And they, in, in a sense, they, they kind of lost the, the big picture of what God wanted to do. But it was in Antioch that that pure gospel was retained, especially through the ministry of Paul and much of the evangelism 
of the world and, and much of the church planting that went on in the future took place from Antioch. So at this particular point, Paul tells us that Peter came to Antioch, but there he said he withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, and James, maybe you remember, he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's the half-brother of Jesus. Before these certain men came from James, Peter would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So here's a pretty astounding thing. Peter, who, remember, I mean, Peter's like one of the key leaders in the church. And Paul says, even Barnabas. And Barnabas was another great man. He was another one of the apostolic team. He was instrumental in... um, bringing Paul into the ministry in a sense. He brought Paul in and, and introduced him and talked about the, the, the way the Lord had been using him. And so, you know, both of these men, you would never expect that this is the kind of thing that they would fall prey to, but they did. Peter and Barnabas spoke. But then Paul said, But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. This was the mentality among the Jews. Paul's just repeating that. He said, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we Jews have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. Thank God for Paul. Thank God that Paul was the courageous one. Now, he knew that if you gave them an inch, they would take a mile. He knew that if you allowed for any kind of compromise when it comes to this this issue of everybody being equal before God, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. He knew that if, if there was any allowance for this kind of discrimination to take place, it would ruin everything that God wanted to do. So the Lord raises up Paul, really, and here he contends with them. And in doing so, he really maintains the truth of the gospel for successive generations. So all of us owe Paul a huge thanks. When we get to heaven and see him, we can thank him that he was willing to put things on the line uh, to preserve the purity of the gospel. So that's, that's kind of the background. So verse 14, that's where I want to focus today, as I said. And I just, I just want to focus on this one phrase where Paul makes reference to the truth of the gospel. He says, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Now, if I were to say to you today, I want to, I want to talk to you about the truth of the gospel. There are many aspects of that, that I could talk to you about. But the one that I want to specifically talk about and the one that I think the text deals with 
is this aspect. Equality is a truth of the gospel. Equality. You see, God has made it clear that he is no respecter of persons. Or in other words, he doesn't show partiality. There's not one nation that he prefers over another nation. There's not you know, one people that he prefers over another people. But that before him, everyone is equal. So the, the truth of the gospel is that prejudice and inequality are overruled by the gospel. So wherever the gospel goes, it ought to destroy prejudice and inequality. You maybe heard this saying before, and this is what we're talking about. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, meaning that everybody stands equal at the foot of the cross. Now, of course, that's not true in society in general, is it? I mean, there's all kinds of division in our culture. And the divisions exist over these same kinds of things. Sometimes it's divisions over, over race. Sometimes it's divisions over class, if you will, social standing. Sometimes it's divisions between the genders and so forth. These things are very real problems in our world. They're problems. They were problems then. They're, they're still problems today. But the truth of the gospel is that Jews and Gentiles... And, and the word Gentile, now here in the text, Greek is used. They're talking about um, the Jews and the Greeks, but the Greeks and the Gentiles are kind of synonymous. And it just means everybody who's not a Jew. That's the idea. So all of the nations, the, the word Gentile comes from the Hebrew word goyim uh, back in the Old Testament. And goyim just means the nations collectively, everybody outside of Israel. So... What the gospel teaches is that Jews and Gentiles are equally lost, and when saved by grace, they stand on equal ground before God. Now, here's an important point. Peter knew this. It wasn't like Peter had forgotten this. That wasn't the issue. You see, Peter knew this, but he was intimidated by the legalist in Jerusalem, and he compromised. So Peter compromised with what he knew to be not the case. He knew that there was no distinction. He himself was the one who brought the, the gospel to the Gentiles initially. But he's, he's so intimidated and he's so sort of self-preserving at this point that he allows the compromise to take place. But like I said a moment ago, Paul knew that this could not go uncontested without the gospel suffering a huge setback. If Paul would not have contested this, then you know what would have happened? Christianity would have just been seen as another sect of Judaism and it would have had a very limited appeal only to those Gentiles who wanted to become second-class citizens within another sect of Judaism. Paul saw that. He could see far enough down the road to know that that's where it would go. Peter was too preoccupied with preserving his own reputation back in Jerusalem among the leaders. But, you know, the more I've, I've studied Galatians recently, the more I have seen clearly how the, the Jerusalem church really was compromised. And that might explain why it wasn't 
all that long into the history of the church that the Jerusalem church became uh, just sort of ineffective. It just sort of faded off the scene as having any real impact because it, it just became very much an, an introspective, just very uh, exclusive kind of a thing that, that was more concerned about making sure we maintained good relationships with the Jews than getting the gospel out to the world. And as I said earlier, Antioch sort of became the place. Now, Paul, like I said, his background was in all of this. He was a Pharisee, as he's told us uh, on a number of occasions in the New Testament. So he pushes back against it. Thank God for the boldness of the apostle. But as he goes on in this epistle to the Galatians, as he gets further into it, he continues to address some of these themes. I mean, of course, he's just getting started. He's telling us the historical narrative, then he's gonna get into the, the teaching part of it in the third chapter. But I wanna focus on uh, something he said in chapter three, and it's in verse 28, but I'm gonna read from verse 27. So 3, 27 and 28, and this is what it says. Paul is writing, he says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and now listen, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. So look at those categories there. Jew or Greek, or as I said, Gentile. Jew or Gentile, bond or free, slave or free, male or female. We're talking race, we're talking class, we're talking gender. Isn't it interesting how the Bible is relevant always? Because aren't those some of the hot topics in the culture today? They certainly are. This is, this is where our culture's at. We're all divided up culturally over these very issues, the issues of race, the issues of, of class, in a sense. Even though uh, we haven't been a, a, a society that's been built on a class system like others have, European cultures especially, and uh, other Asian cultures, uh, we, we haven't been that, but of course we do have strong social divides. So we've got the race issue, we've got the social issue, and then we obviously have the gender issue. And this is an opportunity for the church to stand up and say, hey, listen, this is how you do it right here. This is how you do race, this is how you do class, this is how you do gender. We should be the ones who are setting forth a model and so the culture ought to be able to look at the church and say, you know, they're doing, they're doing something good there. That, that's right. That's the way it should be. So we have to make sure that we are living this out ourselves. Can't force the world into it, but we can certainly offer them an option by the way we do things. So let's just talk about these three things for a moment within the context of the church. Race. And I'm just gonna make it real simple. Our churches should be racially integrated, reflecting the communities that we live in. That, that's just the simple truth. The day that there was segregation in the church based upon race was a sad, sad day in history. And of course, that's exactly what was kind of brewing under the surface here with this controversy in Antioch that Paul describes. 
I mean, it was, it was a religious controversy, but it was also a bit of a racial controversy because, of course, the Jews did see themselves as just a notch above the Gentiles. They were just a better stock. That was their perspective. And it was so ingrained in them that even the Christians who had the Jewish background, they had a hard time letting go of that. So this should have never been the case. And Paul really, like I said, he pushed back against it. He, in a sense, he put it to rest and it should have stayed down. But it seems like, you know, every generation that comes along, we have these same kinds of issues we have to deal with. So our churches should be racially integrated, reflecting the communities that we are in. So as we look at the surrounding community that we're in, we ought to be able to look around the congregation of our churches and see that, yeah, the church is, is pretty reflective of the community that we live in. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm thankful that that is the case as I look out at our congregation. I'm, I'm thankful for that diversity. I think there's a good blend of just what our community looks like. Secondly, class. Now, like I said, you know, we, we don't have so much of a class system in, in our country, but again, our churches should be diverse socially and economically reflecting our communities. So now, you know, again, sometimes there, you know, there are churches that are very much geared toward and, and cater to and, and even, you know, try to reel in sort of the rich and the famous that's the identity that they want to have. And although they wouldn't put a sign on the door and say, you know, you can't come in unless your annual income is, you know, a certain amount, they would never do anything like that. Uh, yet, you know, they, you'd sort of, if you came in and you weren't sort of in that social category, you, you probably wouldn't feel all that accepted. Th those things happen. That, sh that should never happen. And then thirdly, gender. Our churches should be places where both men and women can flourish in their God-given callings. And of course, all of this is the, the way it should be. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. I think of, um, well, I'll just talk about our, our staff. We have a, a really diverse staff in all of the ways just mentioned. But I'll tell you, I just enjoy so much some of the uh, ladies that are on our staff. And I appreciate so much their amazing giftings. So, so these, these are the, this is the church. So even though outside you got racial tension and all of that, you got class warfare, you've got uh, you know, the, the gender battles and so forth, the church is a different place. And this is the place where we've got to get it right. Because if we don't get it right, the world's never going to get it right. If we get it right, there's a, there's a small chance that, you know, maybe we can have an impact. But even if we can't totally have an impact out there in that the culture is going to just look at us and take, take their lead from us, you know, there will be people in the culture who recognize this is a hopeless situation here. I'm, I'm going to go join this over here and be part of this thing, this this new thing that God is doing called the church where you have this equality because equality is a truth of the gospel. Now, I want to take it to a, a little bit of a different um, 
application as we kind of wind things down here. And at the end of verse 28 of chapter three that we read a moment ago, remember Paul said there, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, this is also a unity issue. And had the Jerusalem prejudice prevailed, the unity of the church would have been forever lost. There would have been no possibility of unity. You see, the Gentiles would have always been considered second-class citizens behind the Jews, and you could never have a true unity had that prejudice prevailed. Now, here's where I want to bring the application a little more home to us. We, you know, setting aside the race, the class, the gender thing, but just just thinking about it in terms of of just the, the church. You see, we must strongly resist the temptation to see ourselves as in any way superior to other believers. This is where we can get into a problem today. Now, again, this, this is what was going on in Antioch as well. This is what was being stirred up in the Galatian churches, that there was like a spiritual hierarchy. There was a spiritual uh, superiority. The, the Jews of Paul's day, many of them, the believing Jews even, they, they suffered from a superiority complex. They kind of just felt themselves just a little, just a little bit better than the other Christians, particularly the Gentiles. And so we have to resist that temptation. We have to resist the temptation to see our church or our family of churches as special or unique above the rest of the church. You see, this is always going to create a problem. If we have this mentality, if we have this somewhere, you know, back in our minds, or if we have this somewhere in our heart, that we are just sort of a notch above everybody else This is going to foster division, destroy unity, and it will cause contention. God works, because it's the same God, he works in similar ways with different groups of people. And so here we are today, and we look around, and we look at Calvary Chapel, and we think, well, you know, praise the Lord that God is working amongst us as a family of churches. But if we're to, for a minute, think that, you know, we're kind of, you know, the only ones, which I don't think anybody's thinking that, but, you know, if we kind of think that somehow we're the best ones, well, we're just not thinking clearly because that's not the case. God's got all different kinds of things going on all around the world. And so let's never forget that equality is a truth of the gospel. And we're all in this together. And we're all equally loved by God. We're all equally called to serve the Lord in the various capacities. And the sooner we get that in our heads, the better it's going to be for unity. And we need to just recognize, man, God's doing a work. And wherever I see the Lord working, I want to just say, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing over there. You're doing it differently than we do it. But you know what? You're doing it. It's undeniable. 
People are getting saved. The lives are being transformed. Thank you, Jesus. We're all equally brought to life through faith in Christ, and we stand in the presence of God on level ground. That's a beautiful thing. And that's what we need to live out amongst ourselves, and that's what we are to project to the world as a witness. of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. If you've ever pondered if there is really only one way to God, or if all religions ultimately lead you to God, then this book is for you. Rebecca McLaughlin addresses this very topic and others that confront Christianity head on. The book Confronting Christianity is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.